Hello and welcome to You Made Me Watch That, where two film studies professors aim to expand each other's cinematic knowledge, one recommendation at a time. I am your co-host, Wickham Flanagan. And I am your co-host, Colleen Kennedy-Carpot. In this episode, we are discussing, Colleen, what? The Sight and Sound List Redux. We are celebrating a banner year for You Made Me Watch That. And so this is our listener appreciation episode. Um, episode 24, uh, we talked about sight and sound, and I recommended Beau which you hadn't seen. Yes, and, and I you... recommended Night of the Hunter. Yes, and so this episode somehow has been by far the biggest one that we have ever released. Um, so clearly sight and sound list content is something everybody is on board for. Um, so anyways, we are returning to the sight and sound list with my recommendation of the number one film, Jean Dielman, 23 Quai de Commerce, 1080 <laughs> Bruxelles from Chantal Ackerman. The uh, Dielman movie. Which we call Jean Dielman. We call Dielman. Affectionately. I'm going to just call it Dielman. So you sound be... like a soccer coach. Dealman, get in there. <laughs> um, and I recommend it. It seems so quaint in retrospect. <laughs> but uh, to be clear, I recommended Seven Samurai, which would I think would have been a fantastic discussion. But you opted to watch something like it hot now instead of yes. before. Yes. So, so I, I yes, because I procrastinated into putting some like it hot. So just so. for the record, let the record show. I watched Dealman. Yes. And she watched Some Like It Hot. Yeah, which is the number 38 movie. Who got the raw end of the deal there? In terms of work, what, I should say. Well, well. In terms of work. Who had more to catch up on? Okay. That's <laughs> and partially that, true. We, yeah. threw, we threw in a third film for good measure uh, because neither of us had seen it. A, so. tr- a trifle. Oh, I wouldn't call it that. Um, well, num- it, number it, 28. I think they would call it Probably, that. yes. Number 28, uh, Daisies, Daisies from Vera Chitilova from 1966, The Czech New Wave. So we've got three films to talk about. But first, I want to, uh, again, as a listener appreciation special, I want to talk about our stats and go nerd out on what we got from Spotify. I, I have to say, first of all, I listened to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> And I imagine Traitor. a lot. Well, a lot of you, a lot of you also do. I'm, our our statistics show that people are listening from all different platforms, which is great. Continue to use the platform of choice, um, but yes. Spotify um, has suckered us into the platform well enough that we get statistics. So, anyways, we have listeners in 35 countries. We want to say merhaba to all of you. Um, our home base of Turkey doesn't even amount to half of our total listeners, which I think is a pretty great. Uh, Pretty great thing. You're all everywhere, which is great. Our most new listeners come from the U.S., hello, the United Kingdom, hello, India, also hello, Um, guten tag to our German listeners, and... uh, Hello to our Brazilian listeners Are as we well. Gonna How say do we hello say hello to every country? Oh no, just the f- top five. Okay, top five. Okay. But yes, you know, Danke schön to Germany. Uh, Clearly, you know German. Obrigada and, and no, okay. to our Brazilian listeners. Okay. Yes, um, but thank you for joining us. Please tell your friends. Yeah. Um, we have just on Spotify. We have gained fifty-six percent of listeners, eighty-six percent in streams, ninety-two percent followers. Hit that follow button. Percentages. Wait. Well, yeah. Uh, four four point five stars. Let's get that up to five stars. Uh, let's just let's get some subscribers here. You know, tell us what you think. Yeah. I mean, if, I mean if we're not going to get any better. So you can. <laughs> we're here. You can put you well, can make it seem like it's better. We'll talk about movies, whether or not there's a mic in our face. That's, I that's mean, true. That's, that's a very good point. That's really how this all uh, scares out. But um, I, a special 
Thank you, Tashekir Lash, to the 37 fans who made us their top podcast this uh, year on Spotify. Yes. Thank you. That's fantastic. Uh, we love to see it. We love to have you. We are so happy to be doing this again. And really, the sight and sound business. Um, it just uh, now, so in updates for the sight and sound lists, you know, the master list came out last year, and now the sight and sound Instagram has been releasing. Hmm. Um, individual director top tens which i always find more interesting than are they the still doing list. that because they were doing that oh yeah because yeah. i mean they've got i think a couple thousand to entries yeah, yeah. i don't think they're going to release each of them individually but um like for example when uh, william friedkin passed which we talked about mm-hmm. in an earlier episode they put his list out it's, it's sort of it's a memoriam for some the some of the directors who submitted theirs or just, you know, they have a new film, and so they piggyback the list onto the new film. When Wes Anderson's stuff came out, and they the released the his we list. Saw, we didn't really necessarily see Dealman on too many lists. So. I, I disagree. I mean, at the time when the master list came out, there were a few uh, individual lists that circulated. And almost universally, if it's a woman writing the list, mm-hmm. Dealman is on it. Okay, well, that makes much sense. Much like with Varda and much like with Daisies. I mean, the, the diversification of the pool of respondents has really had some very clear impacts. Well, there was just a lot of like, um, it was a lot of ones, it was like a Tokyo story. There was, I just am going off of the ones that I saw. So I guess it was a lot of male filmmakers or male writers, but it was, it was also the, um, what was it? The, the Rubinev, what was it? The Andre Rubinev. Ah, so there was, there was yes. a lot of like, I remember the Tarkovsky, these, right? yes, yes, I remember these specific titles because I'm like, I had never even remotely heard of this. And obviously Dealman was a big shocker number one because oh, it came from behind it was on the previous yeah. list but it really rocketed to number one i mean so again i think that's a really direct effect of diversifying the pool um i don't want to get too much into the list and the mechanics of the main yeah. list and so on we, we, we did already that, did that we did that already in episode 24 you are more than welcome to go back and listen to um, that discussion uh because we have a lot to talk about just with these well movies. you're a vagabond I am Team is Vagabond. Your Team Vagabond. It was 101. 101. Just missed it. Yes. Yeah, so they've released the For next reason. couple of tiers. Um, I'm happy that it's that close. I think there's a chance that it could be raised into the hundred. I hope not. Next time. Dealman confirmed my suspicions about that what? Vagabond. That, that Vagabond uh, is uh, is. I have I have my stance on it. Do you want to start with um, <clears throat> some like it hot because it's gonna it's gonna seem relatively <laughs> quaint comparatively. It, 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 it's the, the well, I mean that Seven Samurai would be so much more uh, richer. I mean, nothing against some like it hot, but in the context of Dealman and Daisies. Well, well we're we're going to talk about Japanese cinema in yes. an upcoming recording. So I thought we. But could we just, just talked about Billy Wilder. Yeah, we did. So here's the here's one of the the, the better ones. What did you think of it? Uh, my gosh, what can I start with? Um, what did Bryn Mawr ever do to Billy Wilder? <laughs> Who's, what do you think? <laughs> there's, like, this movie just hurls more judgment at institutions of higher education than it does at gender identity. And that's, to the film's eternal credit, but holy Toledo, there are just some lines about, yeah. What, what, what are you talking about? It's, anyway, well. Higher education? Yeah, they're, they're, Bryn Mawr. They're saxophonists. Some, what you, I know, but they're, but uh, when, um. When Tony Curtis's cosplaying as the millionaire, um, there's some line about like women at Bryn Mawr, and I, it just I don't know. That's right. That's yeah. right. Okay, that's a very <laughs> incidental line to pick Sorry, up on. I you know, when people make fun of 
you know, higher education, my ears perk up. I can't. <laughs> like it went in and don't look up. Just like, like don't look up. Yeah, yes, yeah. the fantastic jokes about higher ed. The there. connection, some like it hot and don't look up. Is there anything else that you responded to, colleague? I mean, it, it's it's great. Everyone oh, okay. is great. Okay, cool. I ha- right. No, I have nothing. I love the old timey references. I didn't quite realize before I got in there that this is a period piece from yeah. 1959. Yes. That it's, you know. Prohibition era. Yes, Yes. prohibition era. So it's going back like, what, 25 years or so. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is sort of vaudeville stage show sort of vibe to it. I want Um, another cup of coffee. I think it's mostly in the dialogue. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, I feel like from our vantage point now, it's hard to parse like what are the period details in the set design so, and the costuming. Spats. things like, like, I don't think that Marilyn Monroe's costumes were from the 30s. <laughs> like, that's real. It's probably true. I mean, that, that doesn't seem like an, a, an authentic 30s aesthetic so to the, me, but I mean, what do I know? The actor um, who played Spats, uh, let me yes. find his name, uh-huh. uh, George Raft. Okay. He is the, I want to say his name's like Pretty Boy or something. It's, it's something like that, but he is the second in command in the original 30s Scarface. Oh. And he is also the guy who tosses the coin. Huh. So there's a lot of nods to specifically right. Scarface by casting him. Yeah, and he, sure. And he, he really commands the the screen. Yeah. And as the as spats. I mean, just, yeah, the interfilm reference, that's a really good, yeah. uh, slightly deeper dive. I think if you'd seen the original Scarface, you'd probably pick up on that. Yes. But like, again, like the, suppose Mary Pickford divorces Douglas Fairbanks. Like, that, uh, that's, how many heads is that sailing over <laughs> yeah, in 2023? Yeah. yeah, I didn't necessarily. But that's really grounded. Yeah. Uh, she slashed her wrists when Valentino died. It's very dark, but I mean, that, that the Valentino business was a real... Um, real touchstone at the time. Yeah, as well. you're right. There is a lot like, like there's a pop so much. Culture. It's just thrown yeah. in there. It's a good point. Really, just I, again, like, I think mostly dialogue, not so much in the rest of it. Um, These kind of incidental jokes, like you don't get yeah. that with like, I mean, Sunset Boulevard is obviously very cine. Sure, but, but, but Sunset Boulevard is like it's in the present, thinking about the past. Mm-hmm. Like the whole mechanism is the film is thinking through the past, right. um, and this is we're going to just set it in the past and. I mean, give out these sort of callbacks to the time that it is to make the setting, which I, I mean, does it work? I don't I mean, I, I wonder if it worked at the time. I think this was a better received film than Ace in the Hole, which you made me well, watch yeah, and we did I talk was, about yes, I would hope um, so. that this and I, I don't know. But I, mean, I think The Apartment is a better film. Um, I think is, the apartment is, is more good. emotionally it's, resonant. Yes. I think to a child of which I was watching some like it hot for the first time, uh-huh. it was like cinematic ecstasy of like of like as as like a, I don't know I must have been like five or it six. It is such a movie movie. It is such a movie movie. Yeah. And it has everything you want. It's you like want. these whip pans. It has the... whip pans. It has <laughs> comedy. It has action. Yeah. Like the opening of just uh, in, a, in a hearse of them sure. whipping out. There the, was a the lot Uzis. more gangster yeah. stuff than I had been anticipating. When I was a kid, Colleen, full disclosure, Okay. There's tape of this somewhere. Oh no. I would do the whole gangster scene with spats in the parking garage. Against the wall. <laughs> Put your hands up against the so wall. So which of your parents has the blackmail on this at the moment? <laughs> and what are they waiting for to release that uh, to the world? Toothpick Charlie. I, I love everything <laughs> about the, the... It's so... It's very cartoonish, but um, I don't know if you've seen the original Scarface. The original Scarface is fairly no. cartoonish as well. I would put that on your list. It's a weird pre-code movie. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, 
but uh but just yeah just it's it's like a yeah it's like a it's not quite satirizing it or parodying it but it's so over the top like mm-hmm. he he's sitting there on his in the bar and he's like bring your lawyer and spats is like these are my lawyers <laughs> yeah all harvard <laughs> men and they all stand up but yeah. <laughs> see there's another higher ed joke yeah yeah, yeah that's true <laughs> and he's like what are you drinking buttermilk see, see the higher ed jokes aged perfectly perfectly well like fine wine <laughs> i didn't even think of it okay yep you really pick up on that stuff I, I just i i'm 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 here for the the you know make funification of the ivy league <laughs> in, a, in a post-blonde world um, oh god how do you <laughs> sorry sorry oh. to bring blonde up that's, that's whatever um, number episode that is but how do you feel about marilyn monroe have you seen a lot of her, her face is like the, the the pin that this entire thing hangs on, and Tony Curtis's face, and to- well, all of them really. But Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon are both excellent at what they're doing. They they're really giving it yes. their all. But I mean, the camera just loves Marilyn Monroe. You can't yeah. you, you can't not admit that. And just Maybe appara- apparently, she so, and Billy Wilder didn't really get along. Billy Wilder she, really she, tolerated she her. She didn't instead. quite know her lines, or like no. there was yeah, there was like. They would have to do multiple takes. I don't, I don't know if she was drinking on set or. I don't think she needed lines. Or if, or if that. <laughs> Did or if she that have is, lines? I was too busy looking at her. You're too busy looking at her face. <laughs> Just yeah. The highlight of her is when Jack Lemmon has her in his bunk, and he has to keep saying, "I'm a girl. I'm a girl. I'm a girl." <laughs> She's like, "Are you okay? <laughs> I'm a very sick girl." No, I, I can quote the whole yeah. movie. It's it's a, it's a, it's another yeah. sort of hangout movie in the yeah. vein of in the loop. <laughs> kind of yes of just yes. very quotable quotable lines uh what the one the one-legged jockey said don't worry about me baby i ride side saddle oh um, i always get the it. fuzzy end of the lollipop a fuzzy end of the lollipop is that like a real line because i'm listening yeah. to this like yeah that's a real line. well no i mean that's what she says but <laughs> is that something that people say yeah i've said i said that yesterday i said that, that's because yeah. you know this movie <laughs> no i, I mean, didn't say i just <laughs> what would be the context i of mean saying? that what's i i I'm flabbergasted by As that line. As she's chipping ice it's into like, a... It's like, it makes sense in a way that I don't want to admit it makes sense. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Let's, um, let's just leave it at leave that. Leave it at that. <laughs> Was there any part of it that sort of dragged for you? Because even... But um bum whole thing. Nice. <laughs> really. Very, very good. Very, very good. <laughs> wake up. Uh, five, five stars. <laughs> good night, tip, everybody. Tip your waiter. That's our episode. <laughs> um... Well, I think Tony Curtis, speaking of that, makes a more convincing woman. Or no, Jack Lemmon. I don't know. It's interesting. We talked about it with Divine. Tony uh, Curtis has a very similar cadence to Divine. That's true. He, he, I, I feel like Divine ripped off his like mouth pout. Yeah, yeah. Really? Like, like yeah. Lemon doesn't do any of that. But Jack Jack Lemmon, I think, just makes he looks more, I guess, convincingly. Like oh, but a in woman. a weird way, like he. Well, I think he's just more committed to the because he has this this whole subplot with Osgood. <laughs> yes, I which is say, very sweet. Joe E. Brown. Down, not so secret MVP of this entire enterprise, as like just goes all in for this role uh, as Osgood, and it's just what a delight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Their Top relationship is very delightful, and yes, just how it develops and how and it just yeah. To the extent that, and if I was to say one negative thing about something like it hot, which is crazy, um, is that I appreciate that essentially Tony Curtis is doing a Cary Grant impression with this whole yacht thing. <laughs> oh, that's true. I thought of that, but you're cadence. exactly right. Um, this mid-Atlantic, like... But there is something slightly off about how he's manipulating her. He's lying. 
Yes. He's a piece of crap. He's wearing glasses that there's no way he can even see out of. Right. He doesn't need them. I mean, come and, on. And I'm, it's I'm, cut- I'm sitting there as somebody who wears glasses like this going, you don't see a thing out of these. <laughs> like, why would you do this? You're going to sit next to Marilyn Monroe with glasses like this? Well, I, she, come she's on. into it. She. I know she has glasses. that whole thing with the men with glasses. So, I Marilyn, get it, call but... me. I'm, I'm holding my glasses right now. <laughs> um, no, I just feel like he's a little manipulative. And the reverse psychology when they're in the yacht of him saying, like, I'm frigid. I can't be with a woman. And he's like... Yeah, he's she's saying, like, I can fix please, him. Please don't bother. I think the light it's switch the, is over there. It's, it's the I can fix him mentality. I don't Played know. up. Turned up to 11. It's Played for laughs. Does, oh, no. Like, it's it doesn't... Fly. Yeah, it doesn't really it doesn't fly. fly. But I mean, um, it's... even if you're, if, even if you don't mind seeing them make out, I guess I'm, I'm more into the Jack Lemmon and uh, what's his actor's name? Uh, um, Joe E. Brown. Joe E. Brown, because they're they're more like fun and just hanging out, and they, they have the his dance maracas. Sequence. Yes, the maracas in the bed, and to me, that is the most sort of progressive. There's a joke in there mm-hmm. that is so great, where he says, "Why would a guy want to marry a guy?" And Jack Lemmon goes security <laughs> there's so many like that that whole conversation is so way ahead of its time oh yeah it just it's it's, and it's such funny, a light and it's touch yes on this yes. and and i mean just the fact that you know we're in an era where you know trans rights have become such an explosive issue yes and like drag readings at libraries have been boycotted and protested it's just yeah what have we become well <laughs> like, i mean i don't like, I think billy wilder had a century a, later he had a very tough time selling this to theater chains i mean well, I, I don't I, it was not code approved I, I i was wondering like i'm looking at this date going how did this happen it's one of <laughs> I, I mean, I Incredible. cite it as one of the movies that broke the code. It was this, it was Psycho, and then later mm. Bonnie and Clyde blow up. Mm. Like there were certain big movies that sort of, because Billy Wilder didn't care. You know, he's like, well, no. Billy Wilder, it has Marilyn no. Monroe in it. You're going to go watch it. Yes, these big I actors. put up with filming with her and you're going to go and sit your butts in the theater. Yeah. And everyone loved it. So yeah. you know, it made yeah. a ton of money. Um, yeah. But I, 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 yeah, I think it is just, it is a perfect film, aside from the slight manipulation of Tony Curtis's character. But yes. I, I do it's think... More than slight, but that that is of a piece with the time. Yes. It, yes. it, it would you not have You kind of have to go with it. it. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, so much of these movies, like, you just got to go with the premise. But and... she's so upset. And he says he has to leave. And you just... Marilyn Monroe does a good job of selling this kind of, you know, sad, like, uh, you know... But she's in love and she has to cry and the fuzzy end of the lollipop thing, as you mentioned. And, right. <laughs> and then the gangsters show back up. And... Yeah. And then suddenly it's a gangster film again for like 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, and that's <laughs> like, the for he's a jolly good fellow part. Yeah, I was yeah. quoting that. Yeah. And they're, and and they're no stuck idea. under the table. And yeah. Yeah. And big joke. That's Spatz's line. Uh, <laughs> I just I love the writing. I love the it's very, very funny. Um, and I think it holds up in its situational comedy ways of. Uh, two men trapped in a in a train filled with attractive women, and they have to keep their act together. I think I think it holds up in a lot of ways. And then mm-hmm. yeah, the the him yep. falling in love with another oh, man. Yeah. It, it's very very timeless. I, it was interesting. I watched it as part of a film class. Okay. A- after watching it for many years, it was my father's film class, just to make it more awkward. And but I was watching it with all my peers who had not seen it before. Oh, and you're there quoting lines. No, and no, no. But I'm you. smiling and I'm just I'm observing everyone else because uh-huh. I'm like, how does everyone else feel? How does it hold up? Right. And by far, you know, seemingly, you know, we're watching Citizen Kane and all these classic movies. 
that one was the most everyone really loved some like it hot so mm-hmm. i think if if you're if you're feeling like a fun comedy um that has aged in some ways better than others but also has everything that most movies you could ever want action suspense drama love bubble bath cross dressing it's it's the movie for you yeah yeah, I mean, attributed to Billy Wilder on IMDb is the line, I don't do cinema, I make movies. I don't know how true that is, but that's... How would Dealman feel about that? Well, I mean, this, see, the, the funny thing is, is like, this is precisely the kind of filmmaking that the Cahiers critics would have called auteur cinema and did call auteur cinema. I mean, yeah. they singled out Billy Wilder with Hitchcock, with this whole crew that they were It know, does looking have at. more of a of a auteurist eye than I would say even something like Ace in the Hole yeah, has. But that's yeah. the thing. It's like, you know, the politique d'auteur as Truffaut had sort of outlined it in the late fifties is not the same as the auteurism that we have now either. Right. It's a concept that has sort of aged and evolved beyond its origins yes but so i mean this this idea that i make movies it is supposed to be entertainment and so on that is part and parcel of what movies were about and continue to be about um so yeah i mean billy wilder for auteur of the year i guess um 1959 we're about to talk about two more 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 auteurist film is it all touristic what is the term auteurist Oh, tourist, yes. A tourist. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, but anyway, it yes, seems I, so it seems so classically quaint comparatively to Daisies and Dealman. I mean, yeah, but so, I mean, yeah, if we want to move to Daisies first just because Can I just say? Yeah. Great double feature. Do the D&D. <laughs> the D&D. Daisies double and D, Dealman. <laughs> double T. Don't put it that way. <laughs> Sorry. We're supposed to be talking about feminist but, cinema. <laughs> I know, but it it's a it's a female uh, 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 but no, they make fantastic double features. Seriously, I, I watched them both yeah. yesterday. Daisies just, and Dealman. Uh, it's just completely opposite. Did you energies. do the Did you do the Daisies and Dealman? Which did not, one would no. you watch first, though? Because I watched Daisies. Daisies first. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like get... Daisies after Dealman, though. Well, after getting yeah. <laughs> through the the, the the pain and suffering. You, I mean, you, it, it's a strategy. Both would work yeah. for different reasons and for very, very different uh, what effects. Is, what is the end note? Who has time for this? That's like five hours out of your day, though. We haven't. To t- do well, both that's of what them. I did yesterday, Colleen. That's okay. Um, well, kudos meanwhile, to you, I Luke. recommended a nice, tight 90 minute film, that's 80 true. minute film. Some true. like it hot, goes true. by, yeah. has everything you need. Um, fantastic. Dealman was very satisfying. But let me, let me, let me say. Um, the, the 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 fan edit I want to make is Dealman? while Dealman is just staring off into space, which is like ninety percent of the movie, um, she's imagining daisies. So it's so her mm. her hallucinatory dreams are of daisies, or when she goes to bed at night and she wakes up, daisies is the dream that she has. I don't think that would necessarily work, but anyway, that's almost something you'd have to play act, put them together. I don't know that you could cut them together, but. Have somebody Man. reincarnate Delphine Sevig. So, they're so yeah. radically different. They really are. You watch Daisies without subtitles, not to out I, you. No, um, I did. <laughs> it's true. So you have no I, idea what was happening. I have. A, there was a, such a. You watched it with subtitles. Like Do you an, have any idea what there, was happening? There was an Aaron Sorkin level to the dialogue and the, <laughs> the complexity of the plot. There that wasn't. I think you, Come on. No, not really. It's but there not, is a lot of cute things that they say that are very. Funny. I, I would bet. Yes. Yes, I would bet that that's true. Daisies um, is two young ladies who Marie and Marie who go around causing havoc on the film and people and yep. they eat a lot of food. Yes. 
And it's 75 minutes of them going around, eating a lot of food. Being chaotic. Being chaotic. And that's the movie. That's the movie. That's it. It's fantastic. It was very, it was very, it was very. uh, Yeah. Fun to watch. I mean, it's yeah. So um, I I did do a bit of background on this one. Is part of the Czech New Wave, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milos Forman right. was also part of the Czech New Wave. So, then he went Hollywood, and so he did films that you know you would have probably watched: Man on the Moon, uh, Amadeus, One Flew uh, the Cuckoo's Nest. Cuckoo's Nest, yes. That's probably um, the best. I think that's that's the one that put him on the map in yeah. Hollywood, and he did uh, a bunch there after that. It is fun to watch the Jim Carrey documentary um, hmm. where Jim Carrey talks about him thinking that he's Jesus and it's just he was seeing behind the scenes footage of Milos Foreman yelling at Jim Carrey on the set of Man on the Moon. Okay. Well. Cuz Milos Foreman's like this, you know, very very serious director mm-hmm. and and Jim, and Jim Carrey is Jim Carrey. Jim, and well, there you go. Methody, pretension, whatever. Right. Um uh no, so check new wave uh communism, right? It was a thing. <laughs> for some it remains a thing but... I wonder how much of it because I talk about daisies I might show it in my experimental film class now, oh it's, I will, it's, it's yes, great it is 75 it's fun. minutes just it's you, so you get much in, fun lots of pickles um, <laughs> it, 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 it regularly gets near or at the top of, of lists of films with food and I yes, finally I, understand I, I, why yes, I understand. because it's really but apparently this was one of the reasons that it was banned after it was released mm. um, was the like mistreatment and waste wastefulness regarding food. And that so, was that was against the communist I, ethos. I, presumably. That's, uh, yeah. So it. Yeah. <laughs> so Cause some she, of it, some of it I went mean, over my I, head. It like, sounds to me like that was a cover for more insidious um, threats to the prevailing ideology. But okay, they can but, say but, that but it's about the wastefulness it's regarding food consumption. It but, is, yeah. It's uh, but there was like interspersing very, very much at the very beginning of the film. There's inter interspersing with the titles like bombings. Sure. And I was curious as to the 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 direct reference to that or buildings collapsing. Um to me what I loved about Daisies is it was so anarchic. It was mm-hmm. almost anarchic at the thought of making an experimental film. Like it's almost like self-parody mm-hmm. at a certain point, especially near the end, um where the, the 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 there's a highlight scene for me in Daisies that I will remember for the rest of my life. But at the end, and maybe you didn't get this from the translation, they're they're in the banquet hall. This is mm-hmm. the big final yep. banquet hall. And they're consuming food, and they're just shoving it in their face, and then they're dancing on the chandelier. And I don't know if you caught this. They they fall into some water. So it's the, yes. Maria Marie again. Yes. Sorry. They fall from the chandelier. Fall from the chandelier. The movie has the no real story. It's just them wandering around, yep. essentially. Yeah. These little vignettes. And they fall into the water, and then they're on, like, the oars of a boat trying mm-hmm. to crawl up. And the titles came across – I should have written it down, but they say something to the effect of – and you didn't, you don't necessarily know what they're saying. It says, um, one would have expected this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> this, sure. is the, this is the best we could have hoped for. <laughs> what their lives would have been like if things were different. And then it cuts to them – whispering and putting the broken plate back together in a stupid way and it's them whispering we will be good we will be very very good yeah and they're wrapped in newspapers both of them and but that to me all it all felt like it felt like a joke at the it's like yes you want structure you want us to be better you want us to fix things but we if we were to mm-hmm. fix things, you wouldn't. It wouldn't be satisfying. Nope. It's just no. a broken plate that you've strung together. Yep. Um, and so that to me felt like almost like a meta commentary at the nature of like 
you know, uh, coherent cinema. It's like, you don't want this from us. <laughs> you don't want us to be better people. They they often say, I'm just going to help you with the translation, Colleen. That's what I'm here for, I feel. They often say, we're just spoiled. Yeah. We're spoiled. Yeah, that, that's the that's, reason we're like That's this. the way they determined they were going to live their lives. We're just I mean, spoiled. So the, it is this sort of self-determination, and they're just going to go off and do it. And yeah. hoodwink a bunch of... What was um, your favorite vignette? Elderly yes. capitalist dudes. They do that like five times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Different dudes. There was the butterfly dude. I think he was the most interesting. So the butterfly thing, yeah, uh, I found a connection actually to paprika, Oh, which we will talk about. Yes, I, which I, I have was... to see tonight as it happens, Yes, uh, um, as we were recording. Uh, but uh, I don't know, but I feel like butterflies might have a different cultural connotation. I would bet. But there is a like pinning a beautiful thing oh, yeah. up that Dead. daisies is sort <laughs> of display and she's covering like her nudie bits um is that a, is that a political way of phrasing it you just um, called them d and d so I <laughs> i'm mean, so that's, sorry that's all right it fits yeah, sure anyway um with these butterflies uh-huh. and in paprika it's more of a pervert it's like a toxic it's like a really gross creepy man is is using these butterflies in a similar sort of Presenting well, a, a woman in a certain way. Well, it's a polyvalent sign. So yes. Um, but I wonder if, my point is, if the director of, of Paprika saw daisies. I um, would bet yes. Yes. I would bet yes. Well, I what, think was this, your, yeah. what, what was your favorite bit? Oh, God. I I my I loved the colors. I just love yes. aspects of it that came through. I, I will say, like, instantly, the theory that comes to mind for this is uh, the idea of haptic cinema. Mm. Um, which was talked about, I think, you know, most uh, prominently by Laura U. Marks. That's M-A-R-K-S, not the other Marks. Um, so Laura U. Marks talking about haptic cinema. And this is basically how certain films use visual images to activate other senses, especially touch. And that's, I mean, with all of this food that they're just getting their yeah. hands and getting their faces. In, it is like a whole body Milk haptic baths. experience yeah. from top to bottom. It, that is what this film is about to me. It is just this sort of sensorium yes. through the eyes. And the colors are fantastic. Um, I, I was... To, I couldn't be bothered to find the subtitles because I, I I knew this was a sort of you know surrealist yeah, yeah. romp. Yeah, so yeah. I just figured I'm just gonna you know do the to visuals. To be fair to you, there, there was just only, gonna do the visuals. There's only little jokes and things. Yeah, that yeah. You I mean, I'm you. sure that I missed out on some things, but um, you know, having gotten through uh, the new Jaylon without subtitles, only falling asleep once. I'm very proud of myself. Um, Congratulations. I thought I could handle this challenge as well, um, even though my Czech is zero and my Turkish is not quite zero. Um, anyways, I saw the 2022 restoration. Hmm. Um, um, on, it's on the Internet Archive. Yes, um, I watched public it Public service announcement. And, and I added you subtitles. You had the subtitles, yes, yes, because you know how these things work <laughs> without sitting there staring at a screen for five minutes. Anyways, um, I, I just I, I loved the colors. I loved these textures. I just it's it's yeah. I mean, it's a surrealist masterpiece, really. Yeah. It just goes from scene to and just like you said, like how you, you wonder how are they going to get off of this chandelier, and of course they're going to fall into the water, and of course that's how it's going to end. I mean, it just. Well, that's not exactly how it ends. No, the chandelier, not exactly. Yeah. No. Um, yes, and then it becomes other... something. Yes, it just. Uh, what, and they just uh, seem to be having a great time. Everyone is having a yes, fantastic yes. time. It's a tour de force. The best scene of the film, Colleen, without a doubt. And it's amazing. It's Freud 
they're, they're like they're like making fun of Freud. <laughs> is they constantly so in their apartment they just have numbers of guys, guys' numbers written, and I think there's some joke of like, what's that number? Is that the guy who died? Or they they, they have some <laughs> joke like that. There's a lot of morbid kind of jokes about like they're calling someone on the phone going die die die. So there is like these weird morbid things that are, are in the periphery, but that uh. Uh, so their apartment is just it's just chaos and they have numbers written all over the walls and they also inexplicably have like five pickle jars everywhere and they just will and the pickle jars are dyed green to make them look yeah. extra gross. Yep, yep. And so that's great. But there is a fantastic scene where there some guy calls them and he's like going the, the, the moment that we shared will last a lifetime. I, um, Marie or whatever their yes. name is. I I love you so much. I cannot. Be, and he's just going on and on and on. And as he's going on, they are cooking as many phallic objects yeah, as yeah, possible. Yeah. They're cooking and getting scissors, sausages, bananas, <laughs> the pickles, and yeah. they're cutting them up and eating them. And it's fantastic. And then at one point, one of them says, "I want veal tartare." <laughs> And the guy on the other end of the phone, who's apparently listening to them, says, yes, yes, I will get you veal tartare and we will have a picnic and sandwiches. And then in the midst of all that, one of them just lays their head on the, on the phone receiver and blocks him out. And I thought, chef's kiss, no notes, the greatest scene <laughs> in film history. Just the, And it's like, we need fruit. And of course, they get out a banana. It's great. It's a, it's a great, yeah. great great scene if this is what feminist cinema is uh, it's one of the things that feminist cinema is. I am let's not 100%, pigeonhole it i am one of you're on board i am 100 percent you're on board. on board for this i do have to say to that point i do think the film not to speak as a hetero male gets a certain degree of mileage out of having these two young hot ladies going well, sure. around i, I do mean, think it's, it's not going to pretend to like yes. pan body type representation <laughs> Yes. It is. It's like the, the two types of women, blonde and brunette. Yes. <laughs> Name both of them Marie. Marie. One of them, though, has a little tiara in her. And she opens the film by saying, I'm a doll. She opens by <laughs> sort of uh, sort of uh, objectifying herself. Sure. Uh, yeah. Almost immediately. Yeah. I mean, that's um, part of it as well. Is yes. That it's, yeah. But it's, it's sort of, it's sort of, they're, they're positive about who they are. And um, you'd think, you know. That uh, they eat all this food, that it would change them substantially, but they seem they seem fine. Is it, they're not eating much of it; they're smearing it all over the room, <laughs> and they're and just themselves. grabbing handfuls of it and yeah, licking it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, yep. Just a lot of food eating. So if you want seventy-five minutes of, of them, it's like this and Babette's Feast. <laughs> like one of these two is probably your number one food movie. Um, but I think this this one is Babette's Feast uses food in a completely different way. I'll say you probably haven't seen Babette's Feast. No, I haven't. Okay. Um, Stéphane Audran. I always oh, think man. of... You uh, would love her. Anyway. I always um, think of I Am Love when I think of food. Oh, that's oh, that's another good yeah. food movie. That's true. It's a more contemporary like one. sex and food. But it takes... Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, it just... It, it pivots to the sex. And this is just like, nope, it's just food. It's just food. And they're, and they're just, getting out scissors to cut the Cut the pickles, <laughs> pickles. Cut the sausages. Just, and they, they yep. use... And a lot of good sound stuff. Like, they use the scissor cutting. Yes. Um, almost, again, like a meta... Like cutting. I, I believe I have seen a poster, and I don't know if this was um, an, an, you know, an actually used poster or a fan poster of daisies that features scissors very prominently as sort of the object um, 
um, that's at the center, and you can see why. Yeah, it's great. It is. It's great. I mean, I can I can think of you know dozens of ways to use this for teaching, either showing the whole thing yes. or just just bits of it. Because yeah, the techniques. There's one shot that I thought was really cool um, with one of the old dudes, and this is one of the. It was like sepia tinted black and white. Yeah, was I it guess. when they were running on the train and then they run off? I was just There's impressed that. with the old old man being able yeah, to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that was impressive. But yes. I mean it, it's one of the still frames, but it's there's a zoom lens. Hmm. And then there's their jump cuts. So it's got the zoom with the jump cuts. And like, can you tell me? <laughs> like, I, would just, I can think of the exam questions. Like, how many shots are in this sequence? <laughs> which one is the zoom and which one is the jump cut? Or first you have to get them to name the jump cut because that's one of the big problems is naming what's a jump cut and what isn't. I know. So or anyway, a, a smash cut. Something like that, yes. Yeah. I that don't was, even go into smash cut, just like Can we talk about the jump? final exam for 321? <laughs> <laughs> nice try. <laughs> nice try. I, I'm not teaching it, so I don't, it's no. <laughs> yeah. But I, I uh, no, Daisy's, if I was to be critical of Daisy's, you know, it's not really. Who would want to be critical exact. of Daisy's? You know what? I'm it not feels, even going. It, yeah, it does. It feels like mean spirit. Yeah, you're right. Truly. You're absolutely right. No, it's just any sort of flaw that you can pinpoint. I mean, it just obviously. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. She did. I mean, my God, like she's actually, interestingly, Vera Chitlova has a a longer Wikipedia profile than Milos Forman. Oh, okay. Props to Wikipedia for this, but she also has much more of a story. She was the first woman to study directing Mm. at the Academy of Performing Arts in Prague, the FAMU. Um, So a prestigious place. Um, And anyway, just, and she had much like in that other that, that film that you did actually hate the souvenir it's a similar story to what she went through in britain in the 80s um just you know she wrote things her professor said they were terrible and you know you understand why it, she I turned would... around and just filmed them her way anyway got banned because she mistreated food like uh, i mean yeah, yeah. Do, do you understand why i would hate the souvenir and like daisies do you feel like you understand me more now no <laughs> I still think you're wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I mean, I can be, I can be, you can uh, be subjectively wrong. wrong. Of yeah. course. Um, um, which but, brings us though to, to yes, the number one film with a with a knife. <clears throat> Are we going to spoil the ending? Scissors. We shouldn't spoil. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, we should not spoil more sciz- the ending. More scissors. There's, there's our, that's our double feature in oh, the end. I told that's you. That's what you put in the middle. I didn't even think of that. That's what you there's put in so the middle. There's so many connections. You just put scissors in the middle of like the two still scissors. frames. Scissors. Scissors. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Uh, well, because it's not Next so... Next, we're going to start calling them the Scissor Sisters, and then we'll have to sing. <laughs> well, it's better it, than gonna... Double D. It's better than that. <laughs> not uh, by much, but at least that was a band. It is a band. It is a band. Yes, that's true. Um, do you feel like dancing with them? I, I do. I don't. For Dealman. Oh. I want to dance for Dealman. You, you get me so wrong sometimes. <laughs> you don't understand me for, for a moment. Dealman was really cool. Okay. Dealman was really cool. I'm super happy to hear this. Um, it's it's a frustrating, <laughs> annoying, <laughs> uh, tedious nightmare. But I yeah. I, I, but it's great. But it's great. Yeah. Um, uh, the the two words I came up with was empathy torture. Oh. That is sort of the the if if that as a as a premise appeals to you, um, essentially just sitting here with Dealman. Yep. That's making the schnitzel, movie. or making, making meat, meatloaf. Yep, and just all of it. I want to do a podcast episode like Dealman. Can we do that? What would that even be? What would we even do? A flop. That's what it would be. 
<laughs> you don't think it would sell well? Oh, well, we're, we just people talk are getting about their our money's day. worth for this podcast. When I woke case. up this morning, Colleen, I made myself some oatmeal. I found oh. a little bare bowl and I poured some oatmeal in. And you I made sure to some, have square yellow tiles behind square you. Square yellow tiles. I could hear the fridge turn off and then on. And then off again. I started paying happen- attention to the sound of the oats in the bowl. I happened to be wearing high heels at the time. So oh. my, my heels treaded along the wood floor. Your checkered house dress. <laughs> well, I don't talk about that. I guess oh. that connects to some like it hot. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I, that's the genius of Dealman. That, that to me is the genius of Dealman. When I'm doing the laundry... And, I'm Dealman. And suddenly you think about I'm Dealman. Series. It's yeah. so that to me is so <laughs> clever. As 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 a, as a connection to everyone, like obviously the the female perspective in the movie oh. is so important, but there is this universal mundaneness yeah. that everyone can kind of relate to in the most depressing way. Yeah, the drudgery possible. of domesticity. Yes. It's just, um, yeah. No, it's cool. There's then there's really no other way to do it justice than to give it the time that it has. Right. Like the, this is. Do, so do you do you check out? So th- that's I think another fun genius part of the movie is you give up after a while. So to be clear with Dealman, we're dealing with a three and a half hour movie mm-hmm. uh, where she literally goes through three days, yep. not quite in real time. But well, she, no, I mean, it, it's, it's can, bit, but we see the same moments of yes. the day three times. And there's the most sort of, you know, protracted mundane things yeah. of her doing the dishes, making in, the dinner. In the elevator. Occasionally prostituting herself, uh, which we don't see until near the end. Right. Um, uh, to make a little extra money because you got to make a little bit of extra money. She's got to buy the good potatoes for that <laughs> no good son of hers. Son, <laughs> who looked weirdly like Michael Sarah. Um, I couldn't that, could not have been. Let's be very clear. It's no, 1975. Not Michael Sarah, but Michael no. Sarah would play him today. Oh, oh, oh! What would a deal? I, we'll we'll get into yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, no need to remake. That was Dealman, such a but, that, yeah. That was such a weird part at the opening. I was like, is that her husband? He because he looks like an old boy. <laughs> it was the seventies, Wickham. Do you know what I mean? Aesthetic. Well, no, it's just every he's he's clearly grown. He's not living yes. with. I mean, he's she's still taking care of him. But, but he could because she's a you know a fairly attractive middle aged woman. He could be her husband because they don't they they act. Oh God, the the way that the, the mother son relationship here is just very sweet. It's very it's very <laughs> it's a very sweet story. It's a very sweet film. It makes you reflect on the. Anyway, right. three and a half hours of just silences, essentially. Yep. And so you you as a viewer, you're you're observing everything and then eventually you just kind of give up because mm-hmm. you realize that nothing is necessarily gonna happen. But then the movie sneaks in these like these like really pivotal monologues and really pivotal scenes. So it is a movie that I think re- rewards repeat viewing. Uh, not that I'm gonna do that immediately tonight. <laughs> But like, I think there was one part that I missed. I don't know how long it's been since you've seen it. But the sun is, because t- I, I, I eventually, you know, I'm doing stuff, you know, in the living room. I'm like cleaning up, you know, it's sort of. You're, you were inspired. I was inspired by Dillman <laughs> making myself some meatloaf and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the, yeah, just the egg. And also the, the 70s. Yeah. yeah 70s, 70s cuisine. Meat, 70s meatloaf. That was yeah. the subtitle. And, uh, and the sun is saying something about his friend who is like this. 
sort of this misogynist guy who's talking about the the penis as a sword and he's saying some stuff and dealman is just like go to bed honey <laughs> and i and i and i and I, I i didn't rewind it because i thought i got the gist of it but in retrospect like you want to just yep, go no, back yeah, yeah. to every little moment like that of just yep. any insight because yeah. obviously the first bit of insight if you remember is she's reading the letter from the aunt the sister and it says something to the effect of like I, I I cry when I think about you and your family, and she's just reading it like super matter of factly, and you're like, what? Wait, what happened mm-hmm. in their family? How long has like, it been since you've seen it? Oh, solid decade. I'd but it say. stuck it's with been, you, of course. Yeah, 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 of course. I mean, it's yeah. Is it your number one movie of all time? No, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I can totally understand why it got to be number one because that would be on a lot of ten. It was on my top my ten list. For sure. I don't know that I'd put it at number one, but just I would have to think getting about to it. 10 is, I mean, just for what it is, it is, it's just, it's form, it's content, it's, it's the moment, it's 1975. Yeah. So, I mean, we can talk about, you just want to go back and see these moments again. Yeah. I mean, b- because we're coming at it from, from a world where you can watch it in quadruple time if you want until this, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we can manipulate the time of it in a way that audiences in 1975 could not. Yes. You wanted to watch it again. You were signing up for another three and a half hours. I watched. I saw some in a reviews. Theater. I saw some and reviews, and they said that seeing it in the theater is actually ideal because I think you so, feel yeah. the claustrophobia. No, exactly. But watching it in it's, the domestic home is also kind of brilliant too. Well, yeah, because it's. I, I, feel I like literally, <laughs> I literally had I gotta, to pause. I gotta, the I gotta movie. go buy some eggs. <laughs> I literally had to pause the movie to take out the laundry. It was like yeah. perfect. Yep. It was like perfect. Yeah. And did you peel any potatoes? No, no. See, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, Making coffee. Yeah. If you're in 1975, making coffee is far more tedious. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, that, there should be some sort of compilation of the making coffee. Isn't it Umberto D that also has the little maid making mm. coffee in the morning? And I just she's like remember grinding the cute little the, doggy. Uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, anyway... Um, Let's not spoil the ending because if somebody is, so I mean, I, th- th- this was the advice. Like when this got to be number one, there was yeah. all this, all this coverage of just go in cold. If you've never yes. seen it. And they, there was an assumption that a whole lot of people hadn't seen this, which I can understand. I think this is a real staple of film education. Yes. If you have come to film without formal education, it is very easy for this to fall through the cracks. Um, unfortunately, I was a. Well, I'm here to promote it. I don't know how I am I also will... here to promote it, but, I, but, I, but imagine I do screening think... this for your students. I wouldn't. Yes. I mean, I, I could see, but again, like this is again, like it's so of its moment. Like you still have sort of the remnants of the cine clubs of the 50s and 60s. Like this will make the rounds for cinephiles, yes. and it makes the rounds. Uh, in film schools among professors who were raised in this. I mean, I can totally see how it has survived. Yeah. It's had a criterion disc since forever. I mean, yes. it's, it didn't need this I immediately bump. check that, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it didn't need this bump to be noticed. But I, it's a testament to how how present it is in formal curricula, yeah. I think. That's how it ends up as, at number one. There are people who will screen. I wouldn't screen this for like a random film class. Yeah. But Put it in programming, put it in just these, like what the Buchanan Cinema Society does with, you know, sort of putting the classics on the big screen. Just give the opportunity. This is how I saw it. It was at Rutgers, actually. Yeah. It was the film festival film. They just they screened it in the theater. So I did see it in the theater when I saw it. Um, so anyways, was there like was there like in talking? Was everyone because? Oh no! I mean, at that point, it was like it was right when the buses are going. You know, you just you sort of end it and go to the buses. Okay. So yeah. I um, meant I meant like during the three hours that like people 
like get um Oh, no. Kind of the, the, no, no, okay. no, I don't know. Okay. I mean, the, the film festival is a real thing at Rutgers, the New okay. Jersey Film okay. Festival. And so they, it's a real cinephile law. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there, there's a good pocket of cinephiles in New Jersey. Um, and, you know, okay. the okay. decorum was observed. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you have to, like, defend that. Like, I mean, like a, a New Jersey takes a lot New of Jersey flack. People. Okay. <laughs> I have to defend They respected Dealman's silences. State. Yep. I was reminded a lot of, and I hate to say this because he's distinctly not a feminist uh, perspective here, but it was very much, I think, somewhat in the shadow, not uh, somewhat connected to the ending as well, of Repulsion. Huh. Repulsion is a movie that is dominated by a woman's silences of her staring off into space. Yes. Dealman takes that and just completely blows it up and makes it something transcendental. Yes. But Repulsion is set mostly in an apartment. Um, it's about the space of the apartment. Yeah. And then there's all the psychosexual but surreal nonsense the, yeah, that happens. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's, it, 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 it basically externalizes it in a weird way and, and invents. Objectifies yes, Catherine Deneuve. Exactly. But uh, there, there is a, you know, the razor blade, you know, which is a distinctly yeah. masculine sort of weapon in that. Um, I would like to talk around the ending. I would okay. like to talk about it, but it, okay. is, it is an interesting payoff. Full disclosure, I applauded. <laughs> I went... Just fantastic. <laughs> but then I thought about it. <laughs> okay. And 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 it's it's a it's a cool ending, but then I thought about it and I, I kind of felt disingenuous to me slightly. Where the movie was writing, I feel like was on another level than that ending kind of leads me to believe. Like what if you was suggestive or was more it was more ambiguous the ending i mean the ending is fairly ambiguous anyway the whole movie is is as you reading into it obviously but i don't know it felt like an ending i would come up with for dealman <laughs> and maybe not the ending that dealman needed or deserved how do you feel about it i think you can move towards ambiguity now that dealman exists okay i think that is a statement that needs to be made very clearly on screen in no uncertain terms. And now that it's there, it can be more subtle. Let me give you an example. Okay. Um, so when, did you watch Mrs. America when this came out? Kate Blanchett playing this uh, no. noted American anti-feminist activist, activist Phyllis Schlafly? No. Okay. So Phyllis Schlafly, impossible name to say. Who would want to talk about her anyway? She was a, just a real virulent anti-feminist activist in like the 70s, 80s. Um, and th there was a mini, a limited series where Kate Blanchett incarnates her. The last shot, I didn't watch it. I just, I couldn't bring myself to, even though Kate Blanchett can do no wrong, I right. couldn't bring myself to even think about Schlafly for <laughs> any longer than I absolutely had to. But um, Slate, in their review, picked up the similarity between the end shot of this series mm. as Kate Blanchett in her apron in her kitchen that is um, not coincidentally colored like um, John Dielman's mm. kitchen. And she's peeling potatoes at the table in a somewhat similar framing device. I mean, if you've seen Dielman, you cannot help but think of the similarity. It's different enough, but it's, um, did I save the picture? I was going to show you the picture and see what you thought of it. Um, but anyway, like it's that kind of citation, yeah. you know, what, what Dielman has done is, is it gives, everybody now a vocabulary for 
women's time. Yes. And and the rage that is pent up. I mean, it, it is just sort of like now this you know the Schlafly show can give us this is the ending and we get the hint of the suppressed violence. You know, we don't we don't now we don't have to see it. Now it can be ambiguous. Like is this actually suggesting yeah. that Schlafly is suppressing violence or is she really as happy doing these domestic things as she says all women should be? Like it's it it introduces that possibility for others to be ambiguous. So I think that's the utility of such a you know, I mean, it certainly, it certainly has it's, its poker face on for it, it 98% of the yeah, movie, yeah. for sure. Well, I mean, and I, I sent you this last week in The Nation, um, Beatrice Loyaza, a critic, compared uh, Fincher's The Killer to Dealman. And we talked about The Killer in a previous episode. But I mean, her what she underscored is that this, this idea of boredom and banality are both yes. the core here. And obviously, the killer takes its violence in a completely different direction and is really trying to, you know, use that banality for different purposes. Um, but I, I don't think she's at all wrong in seeing that as an overlap between them. So it's... But I guess I guess with, yeah. with the killer, there is always the implicit irony to the voiceover. Sure. Which we don't... I mean, yeah, we Dillman don't have a view nothing. to her head. Yes. Right. I mean, so what Dealman does, it, it just shows us this. The only thing, I could, the, the main in, thing I could realize is that she really enjoys brushing her hair. There's a part where she several parts where she brushes her hair and you can tell that she really enjoys the moment. That's the haptic visuality yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this. Yeah, I mean, Laura Marx talks about haptic visuality. It's, it's obviously not exclusive to feminist film, but it is a tool that is very, very often used yes. in feminist film as this sort of, again, this awakening of the senses. Yes. And, and you I, can felt, see that. I felt that. Yeah, and, yeah. And the, the bathing around the hair, too. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. like, uh, because you're forced to pick up on all these things. You're forced mm-hmm. to just take in every minute little detail because there's nothing else given to you. <laughs> the the How the sun eats. I also found, not that that matters, but I found it interesting when they cut away. Like the idea of like the genius of like, we're going to watch her peel these damn potatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't need to watch him eat his breakfast. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. we're going to cut away from this, but we're going to show you this. Like, th- there's a, there was a, that to me, I became slightly obsessed with. And that would be, I think, reward for PB viewings. Like, what when is time condensed and when is time not condensed? But I mean, the other thing is, too, this is also, um, maybe it doesn't work this way in your house, but like, if, when I'm making breakfast, and breakfast is my job you know, most of the time in my house, I mean, then that's my job. Like, I don't get to sit and watch people eat i don't i don't tend to eat myself until everybody else has started i'm like doing my kids hair i'm running around i'm pouring the coffee you know what i mean it's just you're either managing everybody else's experience no i mean it's look like break honestly breakfast is my meal i can't complain about this like it's but i mean and breakfast in particular because there's a timer and everybody's got to get moving but it is just you know my priority is not sitting around and watching everybody eat the thing that I put on the table for them. It's like, okay, what's the next thing? Like, you know, I'll manage myself when everybody else is okay. <laughs> like, it is this sort of 
notion that she's got other things to be doing. And so we are not also not going to watch this. But watch Dealman, the satisfaction. Case, we don't get to revel in the satisfaction. No. Right? That, that's another aspect of the domesticity. I mean, there's just going to be more work. You don't revel in it. You move on to the next thing. Well, in Dealman's case, it it feels because it's so meticulous. It feels pathological because well, she, yeah. she she gives you nothing. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. gives you nothing. You're saying something to your family, presumably. Oh, sure. You're you're smiling. Um, you're probably you know you know thinking about you know. There's just there's just uh, talk about cipher. But here's the thing about Dealman versus Vagabond. If I was to make a direct comparison, I know Dealman. You are forced to know Dealman. In all of her ambiguity, you know exactly who she is, and you feel her, the weight of her life. When Mm -hmm. someone sits in her booth at the cafe, (laughs) you feel it. When her potatoes are overcooked, that's when I knew the movie was working. <laughs> when she's when she's suddenly and her hair's a mess and the sun is like your hair's a mess. I'm like I'm like shut it's up, coming, it's shut coming. up, son. Um, because he's constantly like ribbing at her for yeah, every yeah. little thing. Yeah. Your buttons undone, mother. Yeah. Um, and he's not he's not a it's not a dramatic thing, but you just know that these mm-hmm. little things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so and but with vagabond, if I not to defend my position on vagabond, vag- vagabond, which we talked about in a previous episode. She's a cipher, yes, she's a drifter. There is all this implication to some sort of metaphorical understanding, or shall I say cinematic um, uh, reveling in this character's justification of of living, of dying, Mm. of this life. And and then the movie just kind of ends in this very blunt, slightly nihilistic sort of way. And it felt like kind of a bait and switch of intrigue, of interest, of a character that you kind of want to get to know, ultimately leading to nothing. Dealman, the whole point of it is the the reveling in that in the mundaneness and the cipherness of it to the extent that I would whenever again, whenever these like moments of cinema, of backstory, of 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 insight come in it it is this you're so starved for it that you kind of it 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 makes you reflect on so many other things it's very similar also Mm -hmm. to something like um uh once upon a time in anatolia weirdly Mm -hmm. enough where and jaylon probably is good at this in general where Mm -hmm. you are using time in a similar way using time and and forcing you to reflect yep um and and Vagabond just, it, it, it doesn't do anything okay, like that. Well, okay, I, but I think they're, they're doing this for different purposes. I think the point of deal, I mean, you, the, the ability that you have to sit down and say, I am Dealman. Like, obviously, this is a film that is going for that identification. Yes. Right? Right. We are, that, that, that's deliberate. Yes. And Varda is just as deliberately saying, we don't identify with this woman. No one is going to watch Vagabond and go, I am Mona. Right. That's that's her point. I mean, there is this barrier. There is this I guess, I guess lack it, of understanding. I was thinking. And about why it. do we think that we have the right to understand her? I was thinking about it this morning. I was thinking about it this morning. You've been she, doing a lot of thinking, Wickham. I, mean, I know it's gonna it's gonna catch up with me one day. <laughs> um, that that Mona is a is a person, right? She's a, she's, she's a character in a movie. She's a but character, yes, in a, but, but who she is represents a, she is a, a person. She's yes. a well-realized person. Yes, in her ambiguity, she's a well-realized person. Mm-hmm. She does not deserve to die, nor does she deserve my emotional attachment to that death. To the extent that there's a contradiction 
there, where I don't know enough about her to feel something with her death, nor do I think she deserves to die. Yeah, but so there's like, to, I'm talking you know, yes. personal opinion here. So that to me is the the kind of conundrum of, of not knowing, understanding that that's the point, yeah. but, but also knowing that she is a person, that yeah. there is an yeah. empathy in Vagabond to her. Um, I, I didn't like that that contradiction. Okay. Whereas Dealman is just just it's, consistent it's, all yeah, the way it's, through. It's questions and it's tools I think are a bit more familiar, even if as a film it it ends up being potentially alienating in different ways. Yes. But I, I really dug Dealman. I, okay. I mean I gave up on it, you know, like two hours in, you kind of you kind of have to do other stuff and <laughs> But then you check back in with Dealman. Oh, she's getting some potatoes. Oh, she's waiting for the store to open. Okay. All right. Well, I hope she gets the and just the the yeah, it's just the the whole movie to me is her sitting in a chair in an empty room staring at nothing. And you loved it. And I loved it. I'm gonna get you a t shirt that says I am Dealman. I am Dealman. I would love that. It's like I am Spartacus. But it feels it feels disingenuous because the whole point is that she is she is the woman of the house, right? Well, yeah. And you're supposed to be just the the routine. She she does so many sweet things for her stupid stupid child. <laughs> she 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 she, she uh, what is she cleans shoes and she turns on the heater for him in the morning and she gives him some chocolate after they do the homework. She she does all these little sweet things and he just gives her nothing, <laughs> nothing. And it's not his fault. Is it? He's not the villain of the story. God knows who the villain. Her former husband. Patriarchy is the villain. Oh, thank, I mean, thank you. That's a yeah. real reductive way. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, I mean it is society. Like, why? There's yeah. the talk of like her marrying him, her the father just because it was after the war and she wanted to have the, this home life. So there is suggestion that that's just what you did. Yeah, yeah. sure, 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 sure. Yeah, but I mean that yeah. part kind of bothered me, by the way. Because it, clear, it clearly looks like the actress. Um, by the way, who's Del the actress? Delphine Seyrig. She's great. Um, mm -hmm. She. It very clearly looks like she's reading a script in the part where she's monologuing about uh, her husband. She has probably said that exact same thing dozens of times. <laughs> Maybe just in the past couple weeks. It, that, that's the kind of thing that becomes a script, even in your own life. Well, but I'm, I'm, yeah. Colleen, I mean, literally, she she's looking at part of the bookcase, and it looks like she's reading a page, and then mm. she looks back at her son, and then she looks at the page. Slight, I mean, you're no it's, one cares. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slight technical. Right. It's like me being critical of daisies. Uh, yeah, I, would, let's, I, yeah. I, I think the thing that I came to terms with with both of these films is like confidence. Both both daisies and dealman are incredibly confident movies. And 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 brave movies, and I give them the utmost respect for that. Some like it hot is not a brave movie. <laughs> well, uh, 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 I take that back. Yeah, it's brave in some it's, ways, but it's, it is. It's and it, brave it really maybe it had to, it had to walk some lines that it didn't need to have drawn for itself. That's a good point. But that yeah, I take that back. But Daisies yeah. and Dealman are brave, I guess, structurally sure. and and formally. Yes, yes. This is cinema. This is not yes. the I make movies. Yes, I yes, mean, yes. I cannot imagine either of these <laughs> women just going, "Oh no, I don't do cinema. I make movies." I. Uh. Well, but Daisy would say it ironically. They would go, Maybe. I make yes. movies. movies. <laughs> real. Yeah. No, but to talk about Delphine Seyrig for a second. Sure. She, you, you probably know her. I know your lovely wife's favorite movie um, 
uh, last year in Marienbad. Oh my God, that's where, her. That's her. That you didn't re- realize this? Oh my goodness! <laughs> really? Um, for, for those of you listening at home, Wickham is doing the Home Alone face right now. <laughs> she's so dark haired. I guess same she's, person. Is she red haired and I guess black and white? We wouldn't know. She's very dark. Yes, black and white. She's very like femme fatale and well, yeah, she. Yeah, but she's. I think as an actress, she's. Known for this role, obviously, and she worked with Alain René. She does look very. She strong. she worked with Alain René in um, Marion Bad and also in Muriel, which, for my money, is the superior film, actually. Mm. But Muriel is a um, is a kind of a meditation on the Algerian War from a French perspective that brings in memories of World War II, and it's it's a harrowing, harrowing movie. She's great in both of them. She won an award for Muriel. Um, but Seyrig was a, a passionate and very active feminist uh, and filmmaker in her own right. Um, she you know, founded things. She made films. Uh, no, she you know, like like feminist collectives to make okay, films well, and do be these. more specific. Yeah. I mean, okay. Um, so one of the films that she made is called Sois Belle et Tais-toi, uh, which is you know, shut up and be pretty in English, wow. uh, roughly. Um, and basically, it's a documentary that features interviews with major female actors, including Hollywood actors. Shirley MacLaine is in it. Oh. Jane Fonda is interviewed in it, just talking very openly about sexism in the industry. Is I mean, she so still this alive? Zerig, uh, no. Oh, okay. uh, unfortunately, she passed fairly early. She was 58, I guess. Oh, okay. um, and she passed in 90, 91, something like that. Um, fun fact, she's related to Ferdinand de Saussure on her mother's side. Famous linguist, Saussure. Anyway. Okay. So anyway, Delphine Serig, super feminist activist. I mean, her interviews, I've seen a few um, in some of these other films, but just anytime you see compilations of Serig, like, she's just real. She's vocal about it. She's I mean, you know, she's... pointed about her feminism. She's a working actress. She might just been in last year in Marion Bad, you know. Because it's a big movie. Or that whatever. was, I think, that was her biggest early movie. Like that was sort of what put her on the map. But she was Does all that, over. She worked with Truffaut. She worked with. Um, Does that movie have a feminist bent to it? Like Marion Bad? Yeah. Eh. eh. <laughs> Not so much. But Not it is so sort much. of about. It is like a toxic masculine thing. Well, so I mean, like it, if if you, and... if you look at the evolution of uh, the feminist movement in France, which is yeah. where she was based, I mean, the seventies are really you know, the peak for all of this. Uh, but she signed, um, is it the three hundred and forty-three? I'm probably going to get that number wrong. But very famously in the French I women's movement, yes. Yes, yes. Um, the letter that that basically said, "I have an, I I had an abortion," and yes. they made it public. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, I mean, Deneuve signed it. Yes. Varda signed it. She signed. I mean, just anyone. Any prominent woman who was at all active in the feminist movement um, was, you know, coming out with this information. It was a real, um, real watershed moment in the French feminist movement. So she was involved in all of this kind of stuff. Um, so she also worked with Ackerman again uh, in the musical Golden Eighties that came out uh, several years after film, this one. I'm well, um, yeah. <laughs> it's still Ackerman was quite the director. We're not even talking about Ackerman. I haven't seen too much of her work. I've seen other things. Uh, une nuit. Um, I'm not sure what the English translation is for that. It's all, in one night. It's just sort of a series of vignettes. Uh, there, there's such a, a mindfulness towards potential in Ackerman's films, uh, where you sort of, and again, like Dealman is really the pinnacle of this. I think, like you, you know, it's going somewhere. It should be going somewhere. Like there's, there, it's taking a direction. But are we going to be able to see where it's going? Is it going to end up the way we think it is? I mean, like, there's a lot of that sort of um, suspense that gets built into the work in interesting ways when we talk about Ackerman. 
Um, anyway, uh, she has a documentary, I believe, also on the Sight and Sound list. Um, is it Letters from Home, No Way Home, something like that? Uh, one of her later films, I think, is also on the Sight and Sound list, if I'm not misremembering. Um, anyway, Ackerman is Belgian, uh, hence Brussels in this particular film. It's not French-French, but she is Francophone-Belgian. Um, yeah, Seyrig. Uh, Seyrig's, if you, want, if you want to see her in another totally different performance, Delphine Seyrig was the fairy queen in Donkey Skin, directed by Jacques Demy, Varda's husband. Yeah, a Jacques so Demy film like, seems radically different. Man, like fairy tale. She's in this like lilac dress of these amazing costumes. And she just, yeah. This is what happened to Dealman after Dealman. She became, she became a, a, fairy, a fairy, queen. fairy queen. And maybe it's all in her head. Again, you have to. I just... think Podan Donkey Skin was before Dealman. Okay, way to ruin my fun sorry. little fanfic. She can I go can... back. She, she probably just got out the dress. And that's how she exited the apartment. <laughs> Suddenly it becomes true. Taking the elevator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I also want to uh, cite a couple of video essays. Again, like, I think the citational value of Dealman is really quite important. Um, there are two that maybe you've seen. I don't know. Um, one I teach, and that's Jessica McGough's Women's Time Image, which uses Ackerman, also a bit of Varda, actually, um, to illustrate aspects of film theory, especially Deleuze. So Women's Time Image, that's from 2017. Uh, McGough is a great video essayist. Um, she also She's also the one who did My Mulholland, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, she did a previous one on women's time image. Uh, Film Scalpel has another one. I could not for the life of me find out who made it, but Film Scalpel has it on their website regarding the pain of Jean Dielman. And it's a juxtaposition of kitchen shots with um, a a voiceover of Susan Sontag talking about representing violence in photography. And you wouldn't think those two things go together, but holy crow, it's, it's very revelatory on both counts. Like what we see then from the Ackerman, what we understand of Sontag and how they really you know, weave into one another. So again, I'm saying like, these are the kitchen shots that we're seeing. And yet if we're, we hear about violence, like if we've seen this movie, it's that we can't unsee it. We really can't. I mean, so that blatancy of the ending where where nothing value. nothing happens. Oh, no, just, no, nothing just, happens. Just, no. Good job not spoiling the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, We're doing she great. She just stares off into space. We're doing great <laughs> with scissors. On the yeah, horizon. she she holds some scissors and she stares <laughs> off into space. Um, uh, no, maybe not exactly. Um, well, I'm I'm pleased as punch that you liked it. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm I'm in for new experiences. That's the point of the podcast. I want to embrace multitudes uh that the cinematic arts can bring and i i totally appreciate dealman for for doing that okay. for providing that you are jean dealman i am jean dealman in in some ways i, I it, it feels it feels very disrespectful to say that i am we can plan again 23 who de commerce ankara <laughs> you know sometimes you need a little extra money colleen <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> we, we, we need a little bit extra Everybody change. Everybody needs a side hustle. Because our son is going to ask us for extra money when he goes to school <laughs> and he's going to not do his swim lessons. <sighs> Gosh darn it. Michael Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense against Michael Sarah. I bet but... he has seen John Dealman. Oh, yeah. Well, most people should. Um, That's what... why he took Barbie, I would bet. <laughs> Barbie and Dealman make for an interesting pairing as well. <laughs> um, that's our episode. Right? 
Yeah. You Made Me Watch That is a production of the Department of Communication Design at Bill Kent University. You can support the podcast by subscribing with your favorite audio app and by following the Bill Kent Cinema Society on Instagram at Bill Kent Cinema. Our cover art was designed by Denise Vaditungur, and our weekly thumbnails are designed by Tylan Akol. Our theme music was composed by Dozzy Ozovsky. Check out more of his music on Spotify. This episode was recorded by Batuan Boldu, edited by Talon Akol, and produced by Talon Akol and the Bill Kent Cinema Society with extra testicular to our tech wrangler, Ozjan Akar. Do you have any special thanks? Thanks to our listeners. This is really for you. We've had a great year. Um, uh, let's revisit the big list again next year. Let's, let's make this an annual thing. It's, yeah. good, it's good to expand horizons with you know, external recommendations as well. Yes. So that's and we're going to do another one here in a bit, probably, with Seven Samurai. Oh, boy. That, that's another big yep. top of the list. Yep. Um, I want to spend uh, my special thanks time describing the laundry that I put up yesterday. So I have like a little, I have a table, okay? And so I take out, you know, some piles of clothes and I drag it over to the table. And there's not necessarily enough room on the table. So I put like you know, the, the smaller clothes on the end of the table. In the middle of the table, I put more of the bigger stuff with, like, the pants and things. And sometimes I worry that it won't dry. Um, by the way, the dryer does not work, so I have to put them all out. So it's like this sort of clothesline effect. And, uh, you know, as I'm dragging it, you know, sometimes some clothes fall on the hallway, and so I have to go back, and then I worry that they maybe get a little dirty when I do that. And then eventually I get out all the clothes, and I put them out all on the the drying table and I look at my handiwork and then I hope again that by the morning they will have dried and then I set my alarm and I wake up and then I come over here and then we do the podcast special thanks my meatloaf is done would you like a slice yes thank you Wickham 